0: Kindergarten through third grade are dismissed for junior church. I'm going to encourage you to take your Bibles or your device and turn to Genesis chapter 3. We're going to look at a number of passages this morning. Uh, I've entitled this, and you may think this is a weird title, but that's okay. Um, by the way, you'll just have to excuse me. You can't buy these glasses, let me tell you. Uh, on Thanksgiving Day, I went to just wipe them off because there was a smudge, and it went snap like a twig snapping, and, uh, well, the eye doctor's not open, so I have a piece of, gla- of uh, gas line tubing holding my glasses together, so they're very flexible, and I got to get them so that I can actually see straight. Uh, I've called this a COVID Christmas a mini-series in four parts. We are today going to look at uh, Christmas past, uh, the Christmas foretold, or the Old Testament prophecies. Next week, we will look at the incarnation itself. The week after that, we're going to look at what happened since that. And then the last week, we will look to the future, because each one of these has something in common that is in common with where we live right now. Because the prophecies all have a context, context, and the context of each one of the Old Testament prophecies is a time of upheaval and trouble and gloom and injustice and just things that are really bad. And that's when God, in the midst of those bad things, shone out and said, hey, I am going to give you a redeemer. There is someone coming that's ultimately going to deal with the issues of this world. And so that's why I've called it a COVID Christmas, because as I looked, I found out, and you just think about it, many times we'll do a Christmas pageant or we'll tell our kids the Christmas story, and it's a nice sanitized version a baby's born in a manger. By the way, I'm not mocking any of these things, but you know what? If you look at all the problems and all the hardship in each one of these steps, including the ministry of Christ, you realize that where we're at is not all that unlike everything from the past. Of course, it wasn't COVID, it was other things, like killing all the baby boys in the the land, you know, that kind of thing. So uh, we'll see that. So I've called it a COVID Christmas. Um, I never want to do this sermon series again. So, uh, but with that as a background, I'd like to point out something because I'm going to come back to this. I'm going to circle around and come back to it. And in John chapter 14, verse 27, Jesus said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives, do I give you Let not your heart be troubled, nor let it be afraid. We're going to come back to that because the Bible is very clear that Jesus Christ is the one that's going to bring peace. Notice what it says and what it doesn't say. He brings peace, but he says it's not the world's kind of peace. The world's kind of peace is that no one is shooting or dropping bombs on someone. Nobody is feuding and fighting everything is tranquil and it's all nice. The peace that Jesus gives is the peace like the eye of the hurricane. He never promised there would be a world without conflict, without hardship, without trouble, without overwhelming things happening. He says in the middle of that is where I give you my peace, not the world's kind of peace. It's His kind of peace that comes from a relationship with Him. That's the difference. And I want to challenge you, and I hope you leave here with this. If you don't leave with a tinge of this, I have missed the mark big time this morning. Because I want you to look at it and not say, oh, there's no problems, and act like you're in la-la land someplace. No, it is, I know there are problems, but my focus is not on the problem, but it's on my Savior the one who brings peace ultimately to the world, that's the last sermon, but brings peace to individuals like he said in John 14, 27. So with that as a send-off, let's go to Genesis chapter 3. In Genesis chapter 3, we find the first hint the first prophecy that something is going to happen to bring redemption happens at a very troubled time. It is in the midst of dealing with the first sin on earth. Yeah, in the middle of God judging Satan, Adam, and Eve, He gives us hope. He gives us that future peace that He is going to give us. As you well know, they were in the garden. Everything was perfect. They were untested. Uh, They had never made a wrong decision. Satan comes on the scene and basically says, you know, those trees God told you don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You can eat of all the rest of them. But God's withholding, and it's not a quote, God's withholding the best from you. See that one? That one there is the best looking. That one's the best tasting. And oh, by the way, if you eat that one, it'll make you wise. Eve bought it. And uh, as a result, she did exactly the opposite of what God said. God said, you eat, you're going to die. And that's the process of separation, but also it is a separation from God. And that's exactly what happened. And so uh, in just chapter 3, verse 13, that's where I'm picking it up. Then the Lord said to the woman, what is this that you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. And the Lord said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you more than all the cattle and more than all the beasts of the field. And on your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. And then he continues on to Satan, who is the serpent, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you on the head, that is the woman's seed, and you shall bruise him on the heel. Now, that is a very, very, and I I don't want to call it vague, but it doesn't give us a lot of information, but it does give us some information. You see, a head wound is one that's fatal, bruised on the foot, it's not fatal. It hurts like crazy. I've hurt my feet and my ankles numerous times in life, and it was never fun, but it didn't kill me. But if something like that happened to my head, like stuff where you jump, and you, when we were kids, we would jump off the top of the granary, which was like nine feet, right onto the hard boards. i How dumb that was, I don't know, but it would sting like crazy, but you thought you were cool doing it. Well, if you would have jumped on there head first, you would have been dead instead of just hurting. Well, that's what he's saying here. And so in that midst, there's something there. He said the seed of the woman. He didn't say the seed of the man and the woman. That's the norm. He said the seed of the woman. No, it doesn't say virgin birth there. But it gives us a hint that something is going to be different than any other birth that will take place. Adam and Eve had children, but there's going to be something different. And where is that hope coming from? That Satan's head is going to be not only bruised, but he is going to be uh, bruised on the heel, I'm sorry. But bruised in the head, it's going to be a death blow. To Satan. Now, Satan is still alive and well. There's no doubt about that. He is still alive and well and, and will continue uh, up until he's thrown into the lake of fire, but that hasn't happened yet. But in the midst of sin, the first prophecy of a redeemer, the seed of the woman who's going to win the battle, is already there. The second thing we're going to look at just takes that, takes it a step further. We're going to trace this through the Old Testament. The second one shows up starting in Genesis chapter 11. We find that Abraham's dad is taking his family out of Ur of the Chaldees, and they're going to be moving uh, toward the land of Canaan. This is a time that God is going to give additional information about the Redeemer, about the Incarnation, and it's a time of transition. I don't know about you. But my wife and I, for forty some years, have lived in the same house. And you know what? I have no desire to live in another house. I'm an old fuddy-duddy. I'm a stuck in the mud. You know, I'm not. I'm not looking for. Hey, I got to have something new or better. I want to move and someplace is better. You know what? I'm just happy where I'm at. Change is hard. Transition is hard. And in the midst of transition, when Abraham is going from everything he knows, his family, his friends, uh, his familiar environment, he is now moving. And that's when God continues to give a new, new information about what is going to happen in the future. In fact, it is when you get to Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, it says, "...now the Lord said to Abraham, go from, forth from your country." And from your relatives and your father's house to the land which I will show you. I'll make you a great nation. I will bless you. And make your name great and you shall be a blessing. And then look at verse 3. And I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. And all the families of the earth will be blessed in you. Then he says something in verse 7 and we need to catch this one. The Lord appeared to Abraham and said, to your descendants I will give this land. So he built an altar there and the, to the Lord who had appeared to him. The word descendants is singular. Now I know it's translated plural, but that's going to be singular. And I know it belongs to be, means to be singular. It does, in this case, refer to both. But ultimately it's referring to one person and one person only. How do I know that? In a time of transition, when everything is in upheaval, they're moving. Nothing's familiar anymore. By the way, does that sound a little bit like COVID? That's where I got this title from. Is This is not normal. I've never dealt with this before. So if you think myself and the elders of the church I kind of muddle through this every now and then, ha, join the crowd because we feel that way too because we've never had to deal with this before. But in Galatians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, takes this passage and gives us clarity. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 14, in order that Jesus Christ, the blessing of Abraham, might come to the Gentiles so that we would receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. When it said descendants back there in Genesis, it was talking about the Jewish people, the Israelites, the Hebrews, the descendants of Abraham. But now he's saying, you are in that same uh, family by faith, by the Holy Spirit. Because all the families of the earth are going to be blessed in Abraham. And Abraham's seed, in fact, is, how do I know that? Continue on verse 16. Now the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed, singular, He does not say, and to his seeds, as referring to many, but rather to one, and to your seed, that is Christ. Think about that. Now, when you read Genesis, you don't see the word Christ there. But the New Testament commentary on the Old Testament says, no, that's exactly what God was referring to. He was saying that the seed of the woman that one is the one that's going to be ultimately the redeemer. And he goes on to say uh, that the law was added in between because of our transgressions to show us sin was really, really sinful until the seed would come to whom the promises had been made. And so here we are, 4,000 plus years later, and we now are seeing and have seen that Christ has come. He is the one that brings the blessing. But when did it come? It came in a time of transition. And when Christ came, and we'll see this next sermon, there was upheaval of every sort you can think of at the time of the incarnation, at what we call Christmas. There was upheaval. Again, in the midst of hard times, God is the one that many times speak the loud, speaks the loudest, speaks the clearest, and gives us the most hope and assures us a blessing. I have to tell you, I'm not standing up here shaking in my boots because I know what the next verses say. We're in, now in Isaiah chapter 7 because now he's going to make something very clear. And we've seen these verses many times over the years at Christmas time. We've seen these verses, but very seldom do we look at them in their context. And that's what got me going in in my line here. It's like, wow, when he said that there's gonna be someone born of a virgin, it was in a very trying time. I'm gonna cut the, give you the shortest version of it, but Ahaz was the king in Judah, and the king in Israel and some of his allies were going to come and destroy and conquer Jerusalem. That's verse 1. Verse 2, and if you're turning anywhere, I'm going to encourage you to go to verse 2 of Isaiah chapter 7. It says... When it was reported to the house of David, that would be Ahaz, the, the, the nation of Judah. The Armenians have camped in Ephraim, that's in Israel. Isaiah, um, yeah, I'm sorry. Ahaz is heart and the hearts of the people shook as the trees of the forest shake with the wind. Think about this. I would say this if somebody was that scared. I'd say they're shaking in their boots. Literally, it's saying they were shaking. That's how scared they were. They knew they were had. They knew they could not militarily save Jerusalem. And so they're in bad times. It is trouble. The threat of war, the threat of being conquered, the threat of dying. That's where they're at. And it says, they're shaking like a tree, shaking in the wind. And then the Lord said to Isaiah, go to Ahaz. And here's what you need to tell him. Look at verse 4. And I want you, if there's nothing else you take from this whole sermon, listen to this verse. Say to him, take care, be calm, have no fear, do not be faint-hearted. You're, you're just about ready to get conquered. And you're probably going to die or be taken captive, and it's going to be horribly miserable. It's a time of trouble and the threat of war. And he says, oh, by the way, don't be shaking in your boots. Be calm. Take care. Have no fear. Don't be faint-hearted. It's going around now that we have... Uh, Oh, I always forget this, but COVID stress or COVID something or the other, I can't remember the word they use. Um, What is it? Fatigue. Fatigue. COVID fatigue. Thank you, Russ. I appreciate that. I had to do that with my wife. I keep forgetting it. Uh, But COVID fatigue, fainthearted. You know what? I don't like what's going on. It is miserable being a pastor at this time. It's also been a great opportunity to speak up for the Lord. And I've had those opportunities. But I'm not sitting here shaking in fear. And I'm not worried because I know that I got to focus on the right person. That's Jesus Christ. And so he goes on to tell the king, he says, you know, 65 years from now, those that are your enemies, they're going into captivity. In fact is they won't even exist as a nation. Israel is going to be gone. They're going into captivity. They're going to be shattered. If you will not believe, you will surely not last. He says, you need to trust me. You need to trust me in a troubled time. And that's when he gives the promise of the coming Redeemer. So he says to Ahaz, he says, Ahaz, ask me anything you want as a sign that I'm going to do what I said I'm going to do. And you're going to be protected and you don't need to live in fear and all that. He said, ask me for anything, as high as the heaven or as low as Sheol. Ask me anything you want. It's unlimited. You can ask me any miracle you want. Ahaz, I don't know if he was trying to be super spiritual or what his problem was, because normally it says, don't test the Lord. But the Lord himself said, test me. I will show you. He said, oh, no, I'm not going to do that. I wouldn't do that. Uh, I'm not going to test the Lord and the Lord said you test the patience of men and now you're testing my patience also God does have patience but it comes to an end and he's really if I was going to put in here he's really torqued at at, uh, uh, Ahaz at this moment and so he goes okay you won't you won't do what I ask you to do you don't want you, you you're kind of floundering around all here you're all nervous and afraid I will show you I'll I'll decide and so what does he say Verse 14, behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel. God says, I'm going to do a miracle. Resurrection from the dead is a miracle. A birth from a virgin is a miracle. These are not natural things. They don't just happen. They're totally outside of the norm, the natural. That's why they're supernatural. Now, in this case, the one who was going to give birth at that moment was a virgin. When we find it, this quoted in the New Testament, in Matthew chapter 1, that was also true, but, she was, but the one in Isaiah was not a virgin when she gave birth, but at that point she was a virgin. In the New Testament, she is a virgin at the time of birth and even a little bit thereafter. But in Matthew chapter 1, verse 22, you all know this passage. Now, all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. That's Isaiah. And then he quotes, Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. So he says, Something's going to happen. Remember, the seed of the woman, way back in Genesis, seed of the woman. And then it shows us a few other things through Abraham and others. It shows us additional information. But we're not done with Isaiah because Isaiah 9 has a verse that everyone has heard. Christmas cards have it on, all these things. And that's verse 6 of Isaiah 9, for a child will be born unto us and a son will be given to us. And you look at that and say, isn't that nice? And it is nice. It's wonderful. It's great. But what is the context? I'm just going to do this very quickly, starting in Isaiah 9, verse 1. There will be no more gloom. So when it was given, it was a gloomy time. He he says, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in darkness in the land, a light will shine on them. They were living in darkness and gloom. Bad things were hanging over the nation. Ha, bad things are hanging over the world. In the midst of that, that's when he gives this. And in fact, as he goes on in verse 4, you shall break the yoke of their burden. Yeah, it was a burdensome time. Everything seemed to be wrong. But it doesn't even stop there because when we get to the verse, the verse is that we normally know. Look at what it says, and I'm going to start reading in Isaiah 9, 6. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us. Now it tells us something that we didn't know before. You see, a child is born, begotten. Just like every other child, you're a child, we're all born, we have a physical birth. That's a child. Someone who is born fully human. But then it says, a son will be given. That's not the same phrase. That's something different. You see, the one we now, that's going to be the Savior, the Redeemer, is going to be fully God. He, the word son means the same character and the same nature. He is absolutely 100% the same character and nature of God. But he also has a human nature and a human personality and all the other things that are true of human beings, minus sin, because sin is something that is added, that is not part of being a human. It was added because of the fall, Genesis chapter 3. Here we have God in the flesh, the God-man. Wow. Think about that. In the midst of the gloom and the despair and all these things, he's saying, God is going to come and take on flesh. In the middle of bad times, God is going to do something that has never happened before. And then it says, think about this, folks. Uh, Not too many people right now are going, oh, isn't our government wonderful? (laughs) In fact, I've heard a lot of other things, but our government is wonderful. It's not one that I've been hearing regularly. But here's what it says. And the government will rest on his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of His government or of peace. Wow, wouldn't it be wonderful if Christ was the one governing us? First of all, he could just say, be gone, COVID, and it be gone. That would be really nice, but uh, that's not where we're at. And it says, on the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteous, righteousness from then on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. Notice he's saying this world is not filled with justice it's not filled with righteousness but when he is the one governing when he is the one in control during the millennium this is going to be 100% true he is going to rule from jerusalem from the throne of david with a scepter of iron and he is going to be in control and there will be justice and there will be righteousness and all of these burdens and the gloom and the darkness is poof it's gone because he's in control. Now, I want to say something about that, because I know what I'm going to say coming up, is in the midst of the gloom, and the darkness, and the despair, and the COVID, and whatever else is coming our way, and just in case you think it's bad, and it is bad in the United States, it's different than I've ever seen anything, but we just saw pictures of Christopher Boda, Go to India and try to operate a Christian ministry, an orphanage. You will have everyone and anything you can think of thrown against you. Yeah, it gets a lot worse. We don't like it. We're Americans. We like our freedom and we like to do things our own way. And, you know, we like that. Let's face it. We are still a privileged person, a people. I'm sorry. Uh, But he says, no, when I establish it, it is going to be pure justice, pure righteousness above and beyond. When was it given? In a time when everything was really great? No, it was when things were gloomy, when things were hard, when things were dark. I believe. And I believe because of this sermon and a lot of other things I know from the Bible, God works in ways above and beyond what we can even think or ask, and He does. But sometimes He actually does His best work, if you can say it that way, from a human point of view. When things look really bad, He is the only shining light. He is the only one that brings peace and justice and righteousness. The world is not going to give it. Politicians aren't going to give it. Your friends and neighbors aren't going to give it. It doesn't matter what what you want to put in there. Only Christ gives us that peace. But I need to get done. So let's go to the very last one. I'm skipping a bunch of stuff here. But most of us like this next one. It's Micah chapter 5. And we know, as for you, Bethlehem, you know, too little to be among the the clans of Judah. From you shall go forth one to be a ruler in Israel, whose going forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. And we go, isn't that wonderful? The Old Testament said the Messiah, the Redeemer, is coming from Bethlehem. How many of you like, (laughs) I probably shouldn't even, how many of you like to pay taxes? Oh, I thought, I thought Jordan put his hand up back there, but he was, take, he was blessing with his head. I don't know anybody likes to pay taxes. Guess what? If you look at this passage and see where it is quoted in the New Testament, you find out that a very, very pregnant young lady who was a virgin, but engaged to Joseph, had to make a fairly long journey. We don't know if she rode a donkey. where does it say that. She might have. Who knows? but had to make a very long journey from Judea, uh, from uh, Galilee to Bethlehem. Why? So they could get her name on the roll so that they could pay their taxes. (laughs) It sounds like government, they want to make sure you're there and make sure you pay taxes. Well, guess what? Under those circumstances, Christ is going to come on the scene as a human being, as God-man. But even in Micah chapter 5, verse 1, where this promise is given, it starts out, Now muster yourselves in troops, daughter of troops. They have laid siege against us. With a rod they will smite the judge of Israel on the cheek. Here it is, one more time. It's bad news. Things are happening. They're going to be smitten. They have a siege against them. And God, in the midst of the darkness, in the midst of the hard times, says, Oh, by the way, there's light. There's something good coming. There's something that you've never seen before in the midst of these hard, troubled times. Notice here, it makes it clear. This one who is coming from Bethlehem, who's going to be a ruler over Israel, is the one that doesn't have a beginning. He is from days of eternity. There is no, you can't say it's so many thousand years or million years or billion years or trillion years. No, there's no end in that direction. There's no end in that direction. It's from eternity. He is God and God alone, but it doesn't end there. Verse 3 says, therefore, he will give them up until the time when she who is in labor has born a child. Then the remainder of his brethren will return to the sons of Israel, and he will arise and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they will remain because at that time he will be great to the ends of the earth. Now listen to verse 5. The one, this one, will be our peace time of a siege, a time of paying overwhelming taxation, the burden of those kinds of things. And he gives one more hope. And he says, oh, by the way, don't fret. The one who's coming from Bethlehem is the one who is our peace. This one will be peace. The word our isn't even there. He's the one that's peace. And so when you look at the world around you, you can shake in your boots. You can see darkness and gloom. You can just be faint-hearted and fearful. You can do all of those things. I totally understand why you would do that. But the message from the word of God is in the midst of the worst times, he is our peace. Remember, Peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives peace. My peace I give unto you. It's a very different peace. He did not ever promise. He didn't promise Jesus Christ that he would be born into a luxury and a time of no upheaval. There was all kinds of upheaval. We'll talk about that next sermon. But there was all kinds of upheaval in the world when Christ came on the scene. There was all kinds of upheaval every time we looked at this morning when God made the promise and and expanded on the promise. And he didn't promise us that if you're trusting Christ, everything is going to be great around you. No, he said in the midst of it, you can keep your focus because there is one that gives us peace. He is peace in the midst of turmoil tranquility in the midst of the storm. Don't despair, folks. Don't despair. Don't be afraid. Don't live in fear. Don't be faint-hearted. Don't allow the gloom and the darkness to be what determines what you do and how you think and how you operate in this world. Our focus needs to be on the one that we can trust in the middle of all of this. So is this kind of a COVID Christmas? Yeah, but guess what? Even the foretelling of what was going to happen at the incarnation was always in a time of turmoil and burden and gloom and hardship. We will continue on if we keep our focus on the one who's our peace. Let's all stand together as we close. Father, thank you so much that you remind us on a regular basis. And these are just a few snippets from the Bible about who you are and how you operate and what you've made available to us and how you want us to operate in tough times. Lord, I pray that we would live not by allowing the circumstances to control us, but that in the midst of the circumstances, we would keep our focus on you. We would trust you And allow your peace, the peace beyond all human understanding, the peace that the world cannot give, to be our peace of mind, our peace of heart, our emotions, our thinking in every possible way, that we would be a light in the darkness, like Jesus Christ was a light in the darkness when he was born, and like the promises of the Old Testament were a light in the very gloomy times when they were given. Lord, help us to be salt and light in a dark and dreary world. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless. and.